Please do take a seat. Well, here we are. Empty in our hands, but alive in God's hands. I love that. I asked Tabitha, where are you, Tabitha? Come here a minute, sweetheart. I asked Tabitha to come down the front. Come on, darling. Because this little one here, I think, is so anointed with the Holy Spirit when she moves in dance and with a flag. And I remember you when you were a tiny little one, and I couldn't even look at you without you going all shy and hiding behind mummy's legs. <laughs> and now, look at what she's done. She might come empty-handed with no dance training, no movement sort of skill given to her by other people. But she comes just in the grace of the Lord. And I just think that was just a perfect example of how God works in our lives. So thank you very much for stepping out in faith. Can we just give her a little clap? Because that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Thank you, darling. Go and sit down. (laughs) So we're coming to that time of the evening when we've got the word. And if you don't know me, my name is Debbie. And I'm part of the congregation here at St. Michael and All Angels. Um, We are on week three of a series of nine in Peter, and uh, we're looking at a living hope is our kind of running theme. So if you'd like to take your Bibles out and turn to 1 Peter 2, 1 to 10, and it's on page 1218 of your church Bibles. Okay. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light." Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me just pray before we dive into this. Father God, I just thank you so much for this evening. Thank you that we are welcomed into your presence. And Lord Jesus, we just give this passage to you. And this time of message to you. Lord, we ask that you speak to us through it. We ask that our hearts are soft to hear your word and receive the seed that is planted there. 
Lord, we ask that you open our ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are looking at this first word yet again. I noticed that um, Nick brought this one up last week, and I know that I've mentioned it a few times. It seems to come in the Bible quite a lot, I've noticed. Therefore, so we again we ask, what's it there for? It's because there must be something that has gone before, which obviously Nick has gone through the last two weeks. In the ESV, it says so. So I kind of read it as, so we follow on from being holy. Because we're born again, there are actions to be taken. Because look what Peter here says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, I have something here to help us with this passage because Peter was talking about getting rid of something, wasn't he? Now, those things that he mentioned are sins, aren't they? As you can see, this used to be a really nice, pure white shirt. Um, And you can probably get an idea of the colours in our house because it has been used for decorating in our home. So I'm using that to be representative of sin. And as you can see... I've put on here some of the words that Peter used. So I thought we'd have a closer look at what they can look like in our lives. Malice used a symbol here that shows that sometimes it's a bit like that metaphorical stabbing in the back. It's not nice, is it? But maybe you're not quite like me. But I definitely recognise there are times when that could come up in my mind. And I have to take that thought captive and go, no, that's not where I'm going That's not from God. That's not how he wants me to think and believe. That's not how he wants me to live. So we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Malice. We've got, oh, hypocrisy. Um, Hiding behind a mask. Sometimes, you know, I can think, I can come up here and I can think to myself, Lord, is this really right? Am I being a hypocrite? I'm standing up there, bringing your truth, bringing your message. It's a huge, huge privilege And it's also something that is a huge responsibility. And I think to myself, am I living it? Is what I'm preparing to say something that I can honestly honestly stand up here and bring and say, yes, I know that I'm living that way. But do you know what always comforts me is that I have the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ, that I can come before him and he will forgive us. But hypocrisy, we're told, Peter tells us, get rid of it. Let's take the mask off. I know it's difficult sometimes for us to be vulnerable, but that's what Peter's saying here. Take the mask off. Be our authentic selves as Jesus has created us to be. Deceit. We know that one probably quite well, don't we? But it does sneak up on us sometimes. Those little white lies, maybe. It's just deceit, isn't it? It's not being honest. It's not being open. Peter tells us, get rid of it. Peter tells us, get rid of the green-eyed monster. We don't want to be a jealous people. Envy, when we want to have something or a blessing that somebody else has been given, we want it for ourselves, and we may well communicate to the other person, not necessarily verbally, maybe in some other ways, it might slip out somewhere, that actually we don't really want them to have that blessing because we're a bit jealous because we want it for ourselves. So Peter tells us, take it off, just like this, just get rid of it, okay? There you go. Simple, isn't it? 
But, of course, we know it's not quite so simple, is it? Because taking off the outside isn't really where it's at. We can do that, and I'm not saying that some of those things aren't good. But, as says in Matthew, and I'm going to paraphrase it, Matthew 12, 34, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's inside will come out. And we see it all around us, don't we? So I have another little illustration here that may help us to think a bit about this. And in a minute, I'm going to call the children up to help me with this, but hold on, be patient. I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) This I am seeing as us. This is like our vessel, our bodies. Now, if this was covered, you wouldn't be able to see what was inside. And here we have, you know, a nice label. It looks good, doesn't it? Tells us what's inside. Still spring water, beautiful. Bottled at source in Staffordshire, lovely. We know where it comes from. It tells us how much we need to pay for it. So what's it, what its value is tells us what it contains, how good it's going to be for us, okay? But look at the inside. Maybe doesn't quite match up to what's on the outside, does it? So... I often think that when this most shows up is, children, can you come up to help me, please? When, you need to come around this side so that people can see, that's it, well done. When we have pressures of life that are pressuring into us, that's often when what's on the inside comes out, doesn't it? I seem to have a very large crew here. This is good to show how many pressures we have in life. Right, can you come round here so everybody can see? You might not all be able to do it, but you can be part of it. Ready? Round here. That's it. Wait for it. Wait for it. So, first of all, Sophie Cara, you're going to represent one of these pressures is expectations, isn't it? Sometimes people put expectations on us And we put expectations on ourselves. And that pressure just gives a little squeeze. Sophie Cara first. Little squeeze, that's it. Little bit of pressure, but, you know, okay, it's manageable. Some stress is good for us, isn't it? Moves us forward. Then we have work, school. Go on then. (laughs) Work, school, (laughs) family, friends, keep going. This is what pressures do to us. Keep going. Other pressures in life. Time. That's it. Stop, stop, stop. I need the bottle. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. All these pressures. Okay. Okay. Excuse us a minute while we just uh, sort this bottle out. Go and sit down now, please. Go and sit down. Go and sit down. Go and sit down. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Claire. (laughs) As you can see, pressures. They say, don't they, don't work with animals or children. (laughs) But didn't they do well? Yes, go on. That's my daughter, by the way. That's why she's coming to ask what she should do next. Um, (laughs) So these pressures, they come on. And then as we saw, what's on the inside flows out. And they can also be things, church activities. Dare I say it, Tom, close your ears. (laughs) Church activities, they're great, aren't they? Really, really good. We love to serve the Lord. But it can be another pressure. How are we going to fit it in our schedule? What do I give priority to? I know one of the ones for me is sometimes health concerns. You know, my body doesn't quite do what I want it to do. I'm not feeling tip-top. Lowers my energy level a bit. I feel tired. 
And then, when Sophie Cara needs to get out the door to school, all of a sudden, rather than being, come on, darling, time to go, it might be, shoes on now, out the door, we've got to go. <laughs> Not quite as bad as that, but you get the picture. So these pressures will bring up what is inside us. So what does this passage tell us to do about this? Peter tells us in verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Now when we look at the word crave and think of a little baby, how many of you have been around babies that are hungry? Oh, I have. Put your hands up for me. So most of us have been around babies when they're hungry. They're really not quiet, are they? <laughs> they cry at the top of their lungs because they are craving milk. They're craving what they need because it's, it's innate within them. They're created to be able to have life when they come out into the world. And they just know, without being taught, they know that they need that milk. They need the feeding, they need the nutrients, they need the fat. It's essential for healthy growth. And here, Peter is saying, crave, crave this pure spiritual milk. And what I find interesting with babies as well, and this has been studied in psychology, is that actually the feeding on the milk is secondary to the relationship, the bond that they have with the caregiver, the one that is providing the milk. And I think this is what Peter's trying to say as well, is drawing that analogy, you know, saying you need relationship as well. So what is this pure spiritual milk then? Because obviously if, we, if Peter's saying we need this and we're to crave it, we need to hunger, we need to protest for it, we need to really seek it out, we need to long for it, says the ESV, what is it? Does anyone know before I go on? Anyone know what Peter means by pure spiritual milk? Okay, it's likely to be the word. Okay, so we've got the word here and he's saying, crave the word, hunger for it, need it, recognize your need for the word and protest. So who are we protesting to? Of course we're protesting to God, aren't we? And how do we do that? We come in prayer. We seek the Father's face and we crave, we need, we, we protest to the Father. Give me your word. Feed me. Take away my thirst. Because we recognize that we need that. And let's remember as well that as we do that, Jesus intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is also the word, isn't he? So we're not just talking about just the written word. Jesus himself is the word. We're to crave and hunger for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit brings this written word to life so that we can feed on it. And you remember as well, Jesus talks about himself as another item that we can feed on, doesn't he? The bread. He's the bread of life. And then that made me think, you know, we come to communion we take of the bread, we take of the wine to remember all that Jesus has accomplished for us and of the future hope. So this is the message that we are to continue to crave and hunger and thirst for and recognise our need for. And Peter goes on to say, because by it, so by having this pure spiritual milk, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So what is growing up in our salvation, I thought? 
Well, Ephesians 5.26 helps us with this, and um, it may or may not come up on the screen, um, but I'll read it for you. It says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So the church are to be sanctified. We, as the people, are to be sanctified, cleansed with the washing of water through the word. And as we grow up, we will start to develop these things inside that will flow out of us that will be much, much more like Jesus. Now, unfortunately, my vessel got a little bit crushed, <laughs> so I can't quite demonstrate the next part. But let's, let's just have a little go of a little idea of what this might look like. This here is like our word. It's the pure spiritual milk. It's the word. It's the message. It's the water. Now, you can see a tiny bit of that horrible stuff, gunky stuff, all the sin and everything that's inside us. As we continue to be washed with this pure spiritual milk, with the word, with Jesus, to be cleansed by the washing through his word, and it's not going to quite work because there's a bit out, but I think you know displacement fairly well. <laughs> displacement means that as this fresh water goes in, all of that yucky, horrible water is going to come out. Now, sure, it's still going to be a bit messy. We saw how messy it was, wasn't it? Like sin splashes onto ourselves and it marks that pure image. Remember, we had that white shirt and it was all tainted with stains all over it. Like that, as we continue to wash with the word, stuff will come out. It's okay. We see it amongst us, don't we? And it's okay. We're okay to see sin amongst us because as we keep joining together and we keep seeking the face of Christ, we will be cleansed. We will become new. We will be purified. We will be sanctified. And what I find really interesting is that this message Peter goes on to say in verse 8 is a message that some people will stumble over. Why is it? Well, sorry, that Jesus they stumble over because they disobey the message. So the gospel, some people would choose to say, no, I'm not going to receive that. And they were actually also destined for that. So we need to keep in this time where Christianity is increasingly rejected. We need to keep on keeping on, keep sharing the good news. But also, what's really great here is that Peter tells us who we are. Because we need to remember in these times who we've been created to be. And verse 9, he tells us, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And he tells us, again, if we look at verses 4 to 8, I'm going to do this as like a block. He gives us another metaphor, and it's one that we've looked at before. It's that of being built into a spiritual house. With Jesus as our foundation or our cornerstone. And because we've covered that before, I'm not going to go into it. Thank you. There it is on the screen. But we're all aligned by this cornerstone. And as Christians, we become the new temple or the new Israel, the place 
where God dwells. And as you can see on this picture up here, this at the bottom, arms outstretched, reminds me of, um, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it, please. It was great this morning what you brought, Tom, I thought. <laughs> um, but, but this image of Jesus being upholding us, that's like the people of God there. Jesus is our foundation holding us up. And then over on the left, you'll see that there's a blueprint. So sometimes we think about a building, we think about a house, or even this church. There's going to be some kind of plan for it, isn't there? It's usually a blueprint or something. I don't know if we have one, do we, Tom? We do. There we go. Maybe you're going to check it out sometime. But there would be a blueprint. So what's the blueprint for a spiritual house? It's actually the Bible. So we come back again to the importance of the word, our pure spiritual milk, but also our blueprint for life. And the reason I've put these, the bunch of people up on the top left is because that's representative of people that are kind of come into contact with the people of God. Let's think about people that are coming into St. Michael and All Angels for a minute. As the spiritual house, what do we want them to encounter do we want them to encounter all the things that we talked about, the malice, the deceit, the envy, or the gossip and the slander? Or do we want them to encounter the love of Christ? Of course we want them to encounter the love of Christ. And the reason as well that I put the people raising their hands, is because Peter also says there's a reason for being God's people. It's obviously to introduce people into the kingdom, but it says in verse 9 that we are to declare the praises of Jesus, effectively, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So he builds us up into this spiritual house so that we can declare his praises. And I felt so blessed earlier when I saw all the children, I thought it was quite fitting actually with the song we were singing as well about not having boundaries, that they just moved themselves. They didn't worry. You know, often I sit in the row here and I think, oh, I really want to praise Jesus with my whole being, everything I am. I want to get up, I want to move. But I stand there like a good Christian in a church, British, you know, self-contained, kind of tapping my foot. The children were just free. They just moved without boundaries because they're coming, I believe, to Jesus as little children, which, of course, is what we're encouraged to do as well. And I've really digressed from my notes. So I'd like to conclude with the passage and the message from this evening um, as the band are going to come up and start playing again for us. My conclusion is that as we become a living hope, as we embrace our standing as born-again children of God, as we draw near to Jesus through the word, prayer, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we put off sin in obedience to God, and we more readily reflect the glory of the Lord. So I'm going to pray, and once I finish praying... I just really encourage us all to just sit with this message for a, for a few seconds and just think about, is there anything that God is highlighting in my life that he wants me to get rid of, that he wants me to put off? Or, and or, 
do I really crave? Do I really, really hunger, need, and protest for that pure spiritual milk, for the word, for Jesus, for the gospel, for the message? Do I really, really hunger and crave for it? And if the answer is no, then I really encourage us to just either come to the front and we'll pray for you, or find somebody after and we'll pray for you at the side, or just be with somebody that you trust here this evening and just ask them to pray that God will really stir up inside us that fire and that craving and that hunger and that protest to want more of him and to put off our sin. So I'm just going to pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you do provide us with pure spiritual milk. We thank you, Lord, that in you we can grow up into everything that you had designed us to be. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you search us out, search us deep within, and draw us ever closer into your loving arms, so that as we are in relationship with you and we go more deeply into that relationship with you, we will be cleansed, we will be sanctified, we will be built into a true spiritual house to fully reflect who you are to those that don't yet know you, and to one another, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask that you speak into these quiet moments for us. In Jesus' name, amen.